Hi, and welcome to The Big Remote. My name is Andy Pallain. I'm a service design and innovation consultant, educator, trainer, and writer. We're in the middle of an unprecedented social experiment with so many people working remotely and many entire families staying at home. Yet there's so much that still connects us together and that we can learn from. The Big Remote is a podcast of people's remote stories. We dive into guests' remote work and collaboration tips, remote life hacks, tips on entertaining yourself and your kids, personal stories, and more. My guest today is Jeroen Spostra, designer at Unbeaten Studios and mountain bike guide at Unbeaten Adventures, based in Einzer, a small town in the Spanish Pyrenees. Jeroen, welcome to The Big Remote. Thank you. So, Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about your life anyway, because how much is life different for you now than it was uh, a month ago? Uh, the, the big difference, like, um, the big difference, I think, is um, within a month ago is that, like, the feeling of freedom. Ah, okay. But not... Um, I, I, I talked a lot with my wife about this, and I said, I don't really need much more than just going, being able to go outside yeah. for a bike ride or for a hike yeah. uh, or meeting with friends. Right. It's not that we are like massively going out anyway into restaurants or bars. Yeah. That happens sometimes, but like... Um, so the meeting so with friends bit has, is not allowed anymore. Are you allowed to go for kind of walk or bike ride on your own? No, nothing. And nothing so cool. since last Sunday, they are tracking our GPS signals on their phones. Right, so leave your phone. <laughs> yeah, so luckily we have a dog. <laughs> okay. And we can, like, uh, I can, like, illegally walk my dog. Yeah. And I, we live in a, in a small Pueblo, a really tiny village outside of Ainsa, which has 13 people. Um, and we kind of can roam around. Right, okay. But also that's actually not allowed. But that the chance that the Guardia Civil, the police, is coming here yeah. or seeing yeah. us, it's small. And is everyone so far, because so, so, what do you say, 13, 14 people in your... in your 13. Yeah, 13 <clears throat> people. So um, has so far everyone is is healthy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. So you, you... It's like, you know, like there's like a... Because the Spanish Pyrenees where we, where we live, there's a lot of like small towns with a lot of old people. Yeah. So uh, uh, it's kind of like if, if, it's, if something happens here, it happens probably to a lot of old yeah, people here. Okay, so but need, until now, everyone is healthy. Yeah, okay. But you also need to be super careful. Right? So, um, so tell us about that. So tell us about your – because you've probably got a lot of uh, tips and experience for everyone else. So tell us about your work and kind of – and your lifestyle that you chose a couple of years ago, I, um, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah, that's like uh, three – like now more – just over two years ago. Yeah. So my wife is Costa Rican and she worked in Barcelona um, and I met her uh, in the office where she worked. Yeah. Um, and after eight months of like traveling between the Netherlands and Spain, we were like, well, let's move to the Netherlands. Not that easy. Where you're from, I should say, as people might yeah, recognize from, from my mangling uh, your she name. Was not allowed, she was not allowed in because I didn't earn enough money as a freelancer. Okay. All right. Uh, but then we only had three months to kind of like uh, decide a, where we wanted to live, yeah. <laughs> and then make it happen. Um, so basically, I had a huge van where I did my biking with, so we filled that up with all the stuff I had and drove to the Spanish Pyrenees. Right. Um, but we didn't really have the plan, but we knew that we wanted to do something with Design Steel because she's also a graphic designer, yeah. and, uh, and we, we want to do more with the outdoors. Uh, that was it. Right. Um, 
So in the beginning, we just mixed up mountain biking and design, and that was so confusing for ourselves and for people on the outside world that we kind of like separated it. Ah, uh, okay, right. So uh, basically, I'm a mountain bike guide in the summer, in the in the, in the spring season, in the autumn season. Too hot here to ride bikes in the summer. Yeah, uh, and we're like uh, designers throughout the whole year. Um, but I was used to do design thinking workshops with people. Yeah, it face to face. You mean for in, in in educational yeah. settings yeah. and for NGOs. Um, so we had to kind of find like a new way of working for ourselves. Like first find out what we want, and then. Um, so was this there before? Like before the the um, yeah virus, this is when you decided to kind of work remotely. Yeah. Anyway, okay, all right. Yeah, um, and we knew like if you want to like so in this village, there's a few other graphic designers. Yeah, but they already have the market here covered. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> what the thirteen <laughs> people? It's a small market. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, like this, like in the inside itself, it's like fifteen hundred people. Right. Uh, so basically, we kind of the last two years figured out that, that we kind of are like we like to do branding um and we like to uh, and the things we can do also remote is web design yeah and or designing infographics yeah and what we do is basically like use kind of our design thinking approach or, or the things i'm used to kind of develop all these things mm-hmm. um so a lot of it goes in like talking with clients about asking the right questions finding out the right questions and then like have them, have them do a lot of the research right and then we kind of like uh, change that into kind of output that can either be the right brand, or branding or web design or visuals. But a lot of, I feel a lot of it comes down to kind of being a business coach. Yeah, yeah. So was that? So, so you've been doing that. You know, for how long have you been doing that? And doing right now for two years and and remotely. Remotely, yeah. yeah. And um, and how was the shift for clients? I mean, were they, was, were they okay with it? Did you sort of announce it as we're going to do design thinking remotely with you? Or was um, it more like, this is the way we work? This is, yeah, it's more, it's the latter. Like, yeah. like, the, 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 like this is the way I work. Uh, and, and then it's more that like clients told me like, hey, but you should maybe write more about this or tell more how you do this. Right. And, and uh, it's like, very ha- very happy that like some clients from the Netherlands or from people from the network from the Netherlands I could take into as, as clients yeah uh, so they know how I work uh, and that helped to kind of get things started yeah um, but in some respects uh, you weren't kind of it's not like we used to do design thinking face to face and now we're going to do it remotely you kind no. of just went with the clients and said so this is no, this is this example, is what we're going to do one client that you did like uh, you had to do like a design research into like like a learning journey of like like scholars, yeah. Um, and basically, what, what what we kind of set up to do is kind of he did all the the the, the, the field work, the the, the active research mm. interviews and those kind of things, and then he came back to me and we had like long long like talks <laughs> to kind of like yeah. translate that into like visual output. So that though is actually kind of interesting, right? Because that's you you. Often it's quite hard to even get clients to be interested in us doing the research, right? Or well, you know, to to put in the time or money yeah. for it. And and often clients are strangely enough kind of a little bit scared sometimes about talking to their customers and things. But so that must have worked quite well for for you in terms of the, the clients almost sort of halfway there by the time you've started on the on yeah. the work. Yeah. But that I feel that helps because they knew uh how I work yeah. and they were kind of familiar with, with design things. 
maybe not like special like like specialist in design thinking, yeah. but they know the concept yeah and they uh they've made i think the clients that i work with like on design thinking projects i met them during, in workshops anyway uh, okay face-to-face workshops yeah, yeah like when i still lived in the netherlands yeah. so they know uh how I work. That does seem to help, I think, to have uh, yeah. met people face to face at some point in time before you start doing kind of remote stuff. Um, so, you know, talking about that, what kind of things did you learn over the years of, of doing those kinds of workshops remotely? Must have been a bit of a trial by fire at the beginning. Right? Uh, well, what I learned is like face to face is like, a, like is, is almost key. Yeah. You have to have that screen, like that. But for me personally, because I kind of like to look people in the eyes, yeah. I like just just need like that face to face kind of uh, thing to kind of like uh, like connect as a human. Got like a wink, like yeah. understand, understand me. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, okay. Um, and then you feel that I also have clients that kind of didn't want to go uh, do a video call. Yeah, and then that project didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, I spoke with another guest. You know, I've you know I used to work for Fjord and Fjord's part of Accenture, and then the consulting world. Everyone jumps on calls because they're used to those sort of mushrooms on the desk. You know, doing conference yeah. calls. A lot of people on you know when it was switched to Skype or Teams and stuff, um, just kept the video off. The culture was not to have the video on, and I was working remotely, and I would always turn my video on, and it would sort of eventually force the kind of other person to put their video on. Um, Because I think it's it's quite important. I think one of the things that I've found, like running a workshop remotely, apart from sitting in front of a screen for the whole time but is is um it feels a little bit more exhausting my my wife's now teaching her yoga classes uh, online as well and it, she was saying yeah. that it feels more exhausting because i kind of think what's going on maybe is you're not getting the the same yeah. feedback that you would normally get and so you're almost trying harder and harder to engage the other person yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like there's a like uh, and i kind of like distinguish between like workshops and like design sessions mm. the other day i was like like just Two weeks before the lockdown, uh, I uh, I actually flew to the Netherlands to do like a live, real life workshop <laughs> <laughs> for a client, and um, I'm a designer, so I'm like, uh, and that's I think the difference between like design thinkers that come from like uh, like business background yeah, or yeah. like other background. So for me, a workshop is a design session. Yes. We're gonna solve a pro- we're gonna solve a problem and we're gonna create it together. And I I take part in that process. Yes, I'm not just a facilitator. I take part in that yeah, process. Yeah. And then, but then the client was like, yeah, "But why don't we do like any creativity exercises?" And I'm like, "I don't do creativity exercises at home when I design something." Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and then I, it struck me like, no, like for me, it's more like, um, uh, it's it's a design session. If I approach it as a design session instead of like a workshop where yeah. like. I have to kind of be the, Facit- the, facil- the person that got, yeah, the, facil- mm-hmm. the, the full facilitator. Yeah. Then it kind of works easier for me. Yeah, because then we're working together to solve a problem or to design something new or to, yeah. to design a solution or to come to design the right question. Um, and that approach like works for me. So that's because you're together. actually designing rather than just design thinking, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and we we do it together. It's like you know you co-design. Yeah. And we, it's, uh, yeah, no, no, I can see. No, that's great. And so when you've been doing that remotely, um, is there anything apart from the kind of visual things or anything else that you've kind of learned to lean upon and use that really helps? Um, or um, uh, like 
like asking the hard questions in very soon. Right. Like, like the thing, like what I feel with remote working in any way is that you kind of like, I mean, I'm way more focused yeah. on the actual task yeah. to be done. Um, and also I feel that with like, with the client, when we're talking, what we kind of like, because maybe also because you're in a screen, so that's kind of your like window yeah. work. So you're really, you're looking at each other and you're kind of like looking each other in the eye and like asking the questions and giving each other the answers that are necessary. Where in, if you are in a workshop environment, yeah. there's way more, um, how do you say that in English? Distractions. Distraction. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I feel that that kind of, that's a, that's a huge difference in terms of kind of like getting, getting work done or, um, going through that process more, more, I feel like I'm, I work, funny way I work less, but I work harder. Yeah. So you talked about it. Tell us a little bit about your, um, I'd say you talked about it, talked about it on your website, on your blog. Um, you, you have a kind of different, well, not different, but you, you kind of said, you talked about how it's a kind of different, you have a different experience of work. Um, so tell us a little yeah. bit, you know, so about. From, so when I compare it to kind of like uh, to the Netherlands, or when I was like, I've also been teaching at product design uh, programs in the Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, you know, you have a nine to nine to five job, and you might have twenty minutes to eat sandwich <laughs> at your desk. At your desk. Yeah. Or you don't have the twenty minutes. You have to just have to eat between classes, whatever. Um, in here, where we live, the the siesta, the Spanish siesta, is kind of very strong still. Yeah. So between two and four, nothing happens. Yeah. Everything's right. closed and Everything everyone's closes. asleep, right? Everything's yeah. shut up. It's too hot, right? Yeah. Um, so I also do that. Yeah. Like we have, you know, like between two and four, we don't, we, we don't do anything or not much. We have lunch and yeah. then we have a walk around. But what I discovered is then like that afternoon block, yeah. which is from four to eight or from four to seven. Yeah. I have way more energy than what I do, would do in the Netherlands. So I have like... Uh, I can get out way more work done yeah. in that other, in that afternoon block than when I've just continued my day. So it really feels like you will re-energize. And then you don't do it like the Spanish drink wine and food. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, you know, I feel that I have like an, uh, like almost kind of a new day starting yeah. in the afternoons. I mean, we're lucky here in Germany that you can go for, I, I'm, well, you can't really kind of go and uh, you can go shopping and things at the moment. So we're not in that full lockdown, but where I live, I live near a uh, very near like walkable kind of near the vineyards and kind of yeah. forests and stuff. So it's very mm-hmm. easy to go for a walk uh, on your own or my, my wife and my daughter, yeah. which is still allowed. Um, so I think there's probably quite a, I think one of the things that's kind of disturbed changed a lot for a lot of people, particularly if you have kids who are normally maybe in school in the morning and then you try and get all your work done and, and, and then the kid comes home, um, is that that cadence has completely gone out the window, you know. So, um, you know, the, we try and keep a bit of a regular rhythm of some schoolwork in the morning, but then we're trying to sort of fit our work kind of around everything else. And I'm wondering, and that's maybe quite a good kind of tip for people to, because it's very easy then to get kind of sort of burn yourself out because you're kind of muddling yeah. all this stuff up all the way through the day and whether to actually... So schedule a day and break it up more and say, okay, well, after lunch, we're going to have two hours of, you know, even if you can't go out, it might be yeah. sitting on a balcony, sitting at a window reading, um, you know, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if there's a, a few people who've got dogs recently who didn't have dogs. Yeah. yeah, I hear that in Barcelona, they're renting out their dogs. <laughs> they're renting out their dogs. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, imagine there's also people, though, who, I mean, if you're an elderly person, you have a dog, you're going to actually need someone to exercise your dog and you're going to not want to go out. Yeah. Yeah. I I kind of feel that we we have a 10-month-old son. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically after guiding season was over in last last October, uh, we had to kind of find like a working rhythm anyway between like uh, Marcia doing her job, me doing my job, and then taking care of the kid. Yeah. Our kid. Um, and I feel we're now benefiting from that because we already had kind of like a, like a, like a rhythm in place. Uh, so when the lockdown was happening, we were already used to kind of, um, that way. Yeah. So now you've gone into lockdown. You, I don't know if you want to talk about this actually. Um, so now you've gone into lockdown, you wrote quite movingly about your, um, experience of sort of just once sort of the the COVID-19 thing kind of kicked in and so you yeah like like for me and that's like I'm used to kind of work hard and just continue doing my things because I love doing what I do both on the design work on the biking or Mm. just chopping wood I just love being like active um and then suddenly I realized like the lockdown happened in Spain and then like a week later in the Netherlands and then everyone turned to LinkedIn yeah uh, and like throw like free this free that yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, free twi- and then like and like I was like but the red race that was outside <laughs> yeah just now continues like online <laughs> <laughs> and then so that kind of was the first thing and then my parents are living in a camper van twenty four seven like yeah. like uh, like year round and they were stuck in the southern part of Spain oh no and then my brother just went on a half year with his three kids and his girlfriend um also in a camper and they were stuck in morocco and i was like and are they still st- are they still stuck there now right? yeah yeah my parents are now back in the netherlands but my brother is still stuck and i was like this these 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 things these red race is not important yeah it's it's not like um there's other things that are important and i also like it's be, like everyone is putting out things because they're insecure mm. <laughs> Because we don't know. We don't know how long this is going to happen and what's happening yeah. and what happens afterwards. I have the same. So I was like, oh, man. And I really cried. Yeah. You know, I get emotionally now talking about it again. Because um, it kind of like strikes in the heart, you know, yeah. like this is like, and it doesn't make me, it doesn't affect my happiness. I'm still a very happy person. Yeah. But it's like, you know, emotionally tough. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, um... I think there's a, a sort of period. Actually, there was a thing I read the other day where it said someone someone wrote um, you know an article that said that roller coaster you're feeling uh, that roller coaster feeling you're feeling is grief, and yeah. that you know you're going people are going through the sort of different stages of it, um, and that how everything's changed. And and I guess one of the things that you wrote was you know you spent kind of two years building up this this business, and of course your business yeah. has has been part of your kind of offer is that you work remotely right yeah and now all of a sudden everyone else is is doing it too it must uh, yeah. it must feel a bit kind of strange for you um so look we're coming up to, to the end um if there's one thing that you recommend people should to do you know either kind of in the new situation for you or um because something you've learned to do over the last kind of two years or so what would it be well if like if, if you have the opportunity uh Go, go and have a walk like in the afternoon, you know, like yeah. go outside on your own, uh, on your own yeah. or just like far with your wife. Mm. If you, yeah, but like if you, that's not possible at the moment, but go and have a walk. Yeah. You know, like, re- like, like, uh, breathe some fresh air, um, 
relax a little bit. Um, and yet, yes, we're, it's funny that we were all, we're all in this together, but we're like alone. Kind of, yeah. You know, like physically we are alone or just with our yeah. small, with our family. Um, which is kind of st- like stressful or like we, we are, I'm lucky. We live in a house that's standalone. I can walk around the house yeah. legally. Yeah. Um, so every morning I walk the dog, I make a picture of my lo- lockdown picture, mostly the same view, <laughs> sometimes it's different. Um, no, I'm happy we can like look around. Yeah. There are friends that are like stuck in a Spanish apartment, you know, like already. And they're outdoor people and they're already there for like 20 days. Yeah, no, they must be uh, tough. Yeah. I mean, I'm very lucky yeah. to have a garden as well downstairs and, and um, you know, I can sort of spend, I can, you know, go outside in, in the garden yeah. if I need to or even sort of barbecue and stuff. But it's, um, I was thinking as well, you know, I have friends well, all over the world and some, you know, in Tokyo are in a sort of tiny apartment and stuff. Um, yeah. Although I don't think Japan's completely locked down yet. Yeah. But and there's tough. one more thing, I think, like a lot of people tell, like, or that you hear in the news, we're getting out stronger, like, and I'm like, you don't need to get out stronger of this. Hmm. You need, you, maybe you need to be more vulnerable and more flexible. Strong is not the thing that solves this. Yeah. That's right. I think that's kind of like, like uh, you know, it's okay to kind of show your emotions. Uh, if you're str- it's okay if you're struggling. Um, you don't need to be strong. Yeah, that's strong. Right. is kind of like a, this masculine word that we kind of defeat, like that we're going to defeat the virus and we're going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. Well, that uh, sounds like that's very good advice, and that sounds like a good place to stop. Thank you so much for being my guest on the big. You're remote. welcome. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Big Remote. If you want to learn more about other shows on the This Is HCD network, go to thisishcd.com, where you'll find Power of 10 with me, ProdPod with Adrian Tan, Decoding Culture with Dr. John Curran, Ethnopod with Jay Hasbrook, Bringing Design Closer and Getting Started in Design with Jerry Scullion, and Talking Shop with Jerry, myself, and some of the other hosts. You can also sign up to our newsletter or join our Slack channel and connect with other designers around the world. My name's Andy Polane. You can find me at polane.com or apolane on Twitter. Thanks for listening and see you next time.